This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. What we're paying for our marketing in London is double what we pay in Australia now. Like everything's just double. How do you manage that? So emotionally, like the feeling, it sounds really, really heavy. It's a really good question. Really good question. Yes, you're a business owner, but you're also a mother. You're also a partner. When you say hard, what does that mean? It has just been so time consuming. You still have to do your day job and your day job's in Australia. So you, you know, you're working early, early morning until when you get home and of course you can't just like drop everything. What kind of investment it was to get to London? Yeah. Like, like how big of an investment was that? The pop-up, the stock, the flights, the store fit out, the upfront costs and rent, everything we're talking like. What it really means to live like golden. Yeah, we're golden, baby girl, we're golden. Yeah, about to see it shine, cause we're golden. Harley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We are back. We are back. I um, I mean, me and you have a pretty good relationship. We've known each other for a long time, but um, I think back to the first time I interviewed you. I'm a massive fan of South Street. Always have been. Um, and more importantly, a massive fan of yourself. And it's um, since the last time we spoke, it seems like South Street was such a baby. And and you know. I look back to then and I was super impressed with what you'd achieved to that point, but it seems like it's gone to another level. So I'm really excited to, to chat with you and, and, you know, we can talk about some of the growth. Beautiful. I feel like I'm ready to tell my story as well. It's funny, actually, before you um, messaged me, I was talking to Gaz. I was like, I feel like I'm ready to do another podcast. Literally like a few days later, I got your message. I was like, what? Like, I'd been meaning to reach out to you. I mean, I was, I was the exact same as well. <laughs> I was saying I was, you know, we were talking off air, but I was I took, I've taken a little bit of a, a backward step and yeah. just a bit of a break as baby has, has come. Um, but then I was like, oh, I want to ramp it up. And, you know, I remember saying just before I took the little break, I'm like, I need to get Harley back in yeah. to, to chat because so much has happened. You've literally experienced so much growth over the last two years. Let's start there. Yep. What... Talk us through some of the growth and, and, you know, what really has been the story of South Street since we last spoke. So I think when we last spoke, we just opened Chadson. I think yeah, Chadson yeah, was a couple yeah. of months. That was literally it. So yeah. it was chatty. So since then, really proud to say we've been approached by probably just about every single mall in Australia to have South Street in there. And that's since we opened Chadson. Um, keeping true to my vision, we want to stay and a destination brand. So we want to be one of those brands that they're not in every single mall. They're, you know, you kind of travel to South Street, we're in like major cities, fashion fashion capitals. Um, so we made the decision to open a store in the Gold Coast because the mall there is absolutely beautiful and it's like the holiday destination of Australia. Mm. And then we've opened a store in London. So we've branched out international, which was a massive, massive, uh, a massive dream of mine. And then we've also, I think last time we spoke to you as well, we had three warehouses, mm-hmm. one creative, one for storage, and one like our main distribution. We've now um, condensed it into one big warehouse. Yeah, wow. And it's, it is a big warehouse. <laughs> yeah, it is a big warehouse. We um, we haven't filled it yet, but we're like it's like half bulk, half pick pack. A bit of a creative studio. We've got a gym in there and then our offices as well. I love it. Talk me through your mindset with the uniqueness and the, you know, uh, not wanting to be everywhere and, and you know, where that vision comes from and, and I guess why you've chosen to go down that path because I would imagine that it's quite easy to try to be everywhere yeah. and there's a there would be a pull at some point in your mind and 
we talked about it before the idea of you know money and and what it can do to you and, yeah. and how it can make you compromise but talk us through your vision why you chose to say unique and and why you know what's the strategy behind that and, and why are you so passionate about it a hundred percent i think the main thing that the main thing in that is South Street is about fashion, is about style, it's not about money. It's where we want to hit a certain target market. We don't want to be that brand that everyone on the street's wearing. You know, we, we want to hit the right people. We want to be that brand that's kind of, it's really sought after. So when our products do sell out, we see that as a good thing as opposed to, oh my God, you know, this is sold out, people want that. To us, that's a good thing, you know. It's people want our products. It's not that easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and it's and I think look, there's there's you can go many different ways with a brand, right? And I think that's the beauty of it. Um, but I think the one thing that I look at with South Street and it is that uniqueness. And we talked about it offline too, or off air, sorry. Where it's like, um, the one thing I know about South Street is everything is unique, yeah. right? It's it's it is. Um, you know, you're not, you're not taking anything from anywhere. It's, it's, it's you and South street is its own unique brand. Um, can you, uh, the thing I look at and the thing I always wonder is if we look, go back to say two years ago and you've got this, this baby, you've achieved, you know, great growth Yeah. in your mind. And if you can think back in retrospect and then you think about where you are now, what would you say or how would you describe the journey to the vision like so think about put yourself in the shoes where you were say two years ago did you visualize being exactly where you were now or or kind of the move to london was that always you know um something that you wanted to do was that always a a part of that vision um and kind of how do you think about or what would how what what advice would you have to founders say that uh, I've either had, you know, whatever that milestone of success is and more importantly, how to pull themselves to that next, that next part of the vision that they have. Because I feel like that's something that you've been able to do really well. I think sitting here now and kind of going back to start my vision of South Street, being completely transparent, I didn't kind of imagine like the magnitude of when you have three stores in a big warehouse, the amount of team members you'd need and then mm. those team members need managing um, everything that comes with it, you know, like the finance, the meetings, the, the negotiations, I kind of, being my very naive self, you know, two, three, four years ago, I was like, I'm going to own a clothing brand and I'm going to be designing clothes all day, every day. I'm going to be styling models. And it's kind of, it's not, didn't envision it to be glamorous, but it was very like clothes orientated. And that's the thing I'm most passionate about. But I think to, I wanted to be where I am now, but I didn't kind of, understand like the business side of it Mm. and how big and hard the business side gets um and that's not my strong point my strong point is the fashion the styling the designing the clothes tell us about london so i feel like that's probably been the major move that you made over i would say you know maybe the last 18 months yeah why london you know what what was the kind of the the mindset behind that and then to like actually elaborate on the story behind you know, the move and, and, and the opening. So my background, I'm English, my family's English. And so kind of that pull from England, that's, it's always come from there. But also to me, like London's one of the fashion capitals of the world. Like to have a store in London, it's like, I've got a store in London. Like yeah. to me, that's insane. 
And um, so our, originally our plan was to open Melbourne, then Gold Coast, and then we wanted to do Sydney. That was like our third store. However, I think it was the start of last year, I got a call from someone in the UK that I kind of built a relationship with from a marketing agency. And she said, hey, do you want to come to London and do a pop-up? And we'll work with South Street and we'll build the brand up here. Straight I was like, holy hell. Yeah, you know? I remember that. And we just went for it. And we partnered with this marketing agency and we opened the pop-up. And we kind of used that as our stepping stone to open a store in London. And that's how it kind of eventuated. And there was a, a lot of like ups and downs that whole year before opening the pop-up. And then we had the pop-up that was for three months. Again, a lot of ups and downs. Probably a few more downs and ups with the pop-up. Um, but then we used that as our base to open the store. And that's how the store happened. Team, if you're loving this episode and you want to help support the show so that we can continue to grow and share the wisdom of amazing individuals, please remember to go hit the subscribe button. You have no idea how much it helps us. What's the process of, say, opening that store and what were some of the things that you probably didn't think you needed or that, you know, were some of the challenges that you didn't foresee that ended up, you know, coming with opening a store overseas? You know, yeah. was it team? Was it you know, stock, like how does that kind of function and what were some of the challenges? It's kind of everything with the London store. So going back to like opening Chadson and Pacific, Pacific Fair, it was like the build up to open the stores is hard. You know, obviously it's like late nights, sleepless nights. It's the stock, it's the hiring, it's getting your vision for the store right. Um, You've got to fight with the because we've always opened a mall, so you have to fight with the um, mall design teams to get the design that you want because they've always got their kind of their ideas as well. Oh, really? Um, so with that, but once you open the store in Australia, it's just been like a flying success. You know, as soon as you open it, it's just like that was so worth it from day one. In London, the market is so different and effectively like starting South Street in London, it's just like starting a brand new brand again in London we were a startup opening. Mm. So that was the biggest challenge. It's going, it's kind of me being naive and like, we're going to open this London store. It's going to take off just like Pacific Fair and Chadson did. And it didn't at the start. Um, of course, we had that massive flurry of customers, but then you just got to keep keep pushing mm. towards it. And then on top of that, um, every corner we've turned in the UK, there's just been costs, like hidden costs that you just don't have here. Yeah, so I okay. think it's, it's not kind of, understanding or being properly informed of the business side of opening a store over there, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so what were some of those, like to give some insight, what were some of those hidden costs or what were some of the things that you didn't expect that you were like, oh, like that played such a significant role. And then also I'd love to touch on how you overcame the challenge of that, you know, the, the initial kind of hype and then the, the, the drop off and kind of what were some of the things that you did to, to build um, the demand over there. Yeah, 100%. So a, a business business owners watching this are literally going to shake their head at me. But one <laughs> thing we did was at the start, our stock, we didn't send that straight from our manufacturers to London. It came to our warehouse in Australia. Oh, we no. paid obviously taxes and duties on that. We then sent that from London to, sorry, from Australia to London. So we paid doubles, double duties and taxes. That was one thing we did. We opened a warehouse in central London. So the rent on that was. Through the roof. Massive. Yeah. Um, and then hidden costs, like, you know, everything over there involves solicitors and lawyers. The price of them are, you know, quadruple what you pay here. So it was just things like that. Um, there's like council rates. Um, obviously, we we're aware of like the rent we have to pay, but just even the cost of influences over there, the marketing, 
So what we're paying for our marketing in London is double what we pay in Australia now. Like everything's just double. Um, how do we overcome that? So I'm really proud to say that we've never had funding. Everything that we everything that we make is put back into South Street. Um, and to be honest, how we overcome that, like it's in one of your questions, my biggest hero, it's it's my dad. He, I am the worst person with money. If I had it my way, I would own the whole Farfetch website by now. <laughs> but he, he's really good. He lets me have my fun. He lets me do my shopping. But then he's just like, he puts, he knows when it's like enough's enough. And he's like, we've really got to knuckle down. We've got this bill, this bill, this bill. This is, a, this is how we're going to do it. We need to make X amount this month. And a, kind of like a bit more of a strategy behind it. Um, but there have been, being completely transparent, there's been a lot of sleepless nights this, this year. Um, and it's, it's not that we thought we couldn't do it. We know we can do it and we have done it. We've, we've come out the other side. But I think it's the first year in South Street we're like, holy, this is hard. Like, this is really hard. And we've actually had to think and, like, move money around and plan. And you know me, I'm not a planner. I don't plan. So... <laughs> I think I think there's a really good point there is that I think I think from the outside looking in especially in the early days like you talked about the naivety of starting a business yeah. and the understanding that if you aren't funded that you do have to reinvest your own money yeah. to to take your business to that next level so when we when I asked you the question before and just tying it all back together but when I asked you the question before of like 2 years ago to now I think a lot of people underestimate the fact that not much changes just yeah. because South Street is a much bigger business, generates a lot more revenue and is probably a bigger brand right now. That doesn't mean that the challenges go away yeah, and that it's 100%. not hard. And, yeah. you know, like I can even kind of draw back to my own business is like you're growing yeah. and you know you're growing. Yeah. But the same problems occur, you know, like there's more stock you have to yeah. buy. It's just on like a bigger scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. Can you talk to like, I guess, some of those challenges and what causes those sleepless nights, right? So, you know, when we talk about, say, opening the store in London, like that is like if you're, we're kind of tying together all those costs, whether it's lawyers, whether it's your warehousing, whether it's the stock that's going over there, the amount. That, that is such a large investment and it's an investment that you have to make before you see a return, right? 100%. It's not as if you're, yeah. you know, like for you, it's like you have to make those investments up front and that's coming from your profits, yeah. right? Like, and I think that's the thing that people don't realize is you can probably run it like a 20 to 30% profit or, or whatever that is, but you do have to reinvest that yeah. and you do have to make those investments yeah. into that next phase of growth, which is something I think a lot of people don't, they just... I think it's like a lot of people make the assumption that if your business is big and it's generating a lot of revenue, you just, you know, it's you get to take it all home and, and you get to, and it's yours for the keeping, which, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of businesses that like they have, that have funding, they can do that. But I think I remember um, when we told one of the real estates in London that we don't have any funding behind us. She literally just looked at us like, you've gone this far with no funding. Like you're opening a store in London with no funding. We're like, yep. You know, we, we were so proud of that. But at the same time, it has caused a lot of sleepless nights, but we're here. We've we're out the other end. So, what would yeah. be your advice to business owners around that? So around that investment, you know, and investing in the future because it's a scary thing to do, right? And I think what I would like does it talk to your belief in the brand, right? And that the the passion that you have for it is that 
it would be much easier for you to just, you know, bide your time, take cash out of the business. Yeah. You know, you, you could easily do that. So yeah. what, what is it that in you that keeps dri- wanting to drive forward and, and make these big investments and continue the growth? It's just my passion for the brand. It's, it's honestly not about money. Like I don't get up every day at four o'clock and, you know, start work. It's for, for money. It's for my passion. I get up every day because I love doing what I what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I have to say it is passion. It's, I think it's also setting myself up for the future as well. I think, you know, we're working hard now, making these sacrifices now, we're investing now. And though kind of like in 10 years time, we can, you know, when you do want to slow down a little bit, you're like, I've got these, I've got these five stores across the world. We've got, you know, three warehouses. That's when, you know, your daughter's She'll be eight then and you kind of can just slow down a little bit and that's when but right now it's just there's so much passion like I get every time a new collection comes out like nothing makes me more excited than getting a sample from DHL um it's just it's still having that yeah it's the passion can we just talk so one thing I find really I found really interesting was when we we're discussing um your role in the business yeah. and how you're still very much um in design in marketing um, but the other side of it was your team, don't, you don't have job titles, yeah. which I found really, really interesting because it's not the traditional model. Can you talk to how the team is structured, what your role is, you know, still to this day and, and you know, why you've kind of, you, you're building South Street that way? 100%. It's that whole, I think from our first podcast, it's that anti-corporate. I've come, come from a corporate background um, and I just don't want to bring that into South Street. So like CEOs, operation managers, COOs, creative directors it's just we don't need that at South Street we mm. um we all want to we want to see everyone as equal and as soon as you have like a job title you know you have people above other, other people um we want everyone to feel heard at South Street um in saying that like of course in the stores you have to have a store manager we don't call them managers we call them leads because they're a leader and effectively we're that's why we bring young people into South Street because we want to grow them up into leaders mm. um and then how South Street how South Street is structured so I basically, my passion is, is obviously in design and creative. So anything to do with like creative or like the vision of South Street or the face of South Street, that's myself. Anything to do with managing the team finance, that's actually my dad. He's my biggest hero. <laughs> so kind of, I really struggle managing people and I really struggle with finances. So that's what he's really good at and that's how me and him work really well together yeah and then if he comes into creative or marketing that's my get out (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and then we sound everything um off with each other as well so you know like um kind of like there's no decision made now without me going to my dad or vice versa so i'd say that we're the two big decision makers in south street but then he would never make a decision without running it past me and vice versa unless it's the design of clothes I'm like you do not get a say yeah. um and then under that we've got our global retail lead um and she's been promoted to so she kind of like leads all three of our stores and then we've got like a lead in um like customer service and human resources and then we've got warehouse and stores How, what's the process look like for you guys from say because I, I mean, I, I don't really, I'm, I'm not in this world. So like the thing that really interests me is, I mean, it obviously starts with you and your, your um, you know, your, your design principles and kind of how you think about things. Yeah. But so how, do, what is the process from say like design through to launch? 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, how do you take it through that process? And then more importantly, um, how is that structured throughout the year? Like, do you design, are you just constantly designing or do you design once a quarter? Like, what does that look like for South Street? It's a really good question because it's going to be so different from everyone else. And it's still such a startup mentality because it's all me, everything. So from the initial idea, it's myself. Um, to talking to the suppliers, you know, drawing the design, that's myself. I get the sample, I sign off on the samples. I then organize the photo shoots. So with the photo shoots, I have a couple of girls that do help me. They give their ideas and find shoes and find models. Mm. And then we put the photo shoot together. So I'm involved in everything right up until putting all the products up on the website. I have a girl that does help me now, creates the products, but then I do the final touches. So I upload all the photos, edit all the photos. And then from launch, that's me that clicks you know, launch now. Really? So I'm still doing, and then that's probably one of my <laughs> biggest challenges is I find it really hard to empower anyone else in that whole creative because South Street is me, you know, it's my baby, it's my vision. So to bring someone into marketing or to bring someone into design in South Street, that would be such a hard role to fill. Yeah, I, I could imagine, especially because it's such a unique looking brand yeah. in terms of well, unique looking brand. That doesn't make sense, but unique I in, in mean, yeah. the design and the clothes, yeah. you know. And then is that on a cycle? So, you know, when you say you do it all, are you just con like, how does it work? Are you kind of like a, you know, how like um, artists do things at certain times whenever they're feeling creative? Is that how you work? Or kind do you kind of kinda sit down to design one day per month? Like, how are you? And then... How are you making decision on that? Or is it like, no, I've got a deadline of X day because this is we're going into like a new season and then I'm just going to work at whatever hours work for me yeah. to get that done. It's honestly, so I am the most unstructured person you'll ever meet. I don't plan. I don't write lists. Everything's in my head. <laughs> and that's kind of how I, how I yeah. work. And my dad keeps saying to me, like, you can't keep operating like this. You know, South Street's growing so big. You've got to get your thoughts onto paper. But um, it's... I have a rough idea in my head, like obviously winter, um, like for example, like summer's coming up and I'll be completely honest, it is now, what are, what are we, September and I don't have the summer collection done yet. So I'm currently working on the summer collection. I'll probably have that finished by the end of next week. I'm just waiting on a few more samples and then I'll hit approve and then we'll start getting that in. That's not the right way to do it <laughs> at all. Um, that's just kind of how I operate and that works fine. So we've always used DHL previously to bring our shipments in and that's like production time takes three to five weeks depending on how busy suppliers are and then bringing it bringing it into the country um takes about five days so it's a it can be a really quick turnaround we've now changed to sea shipping and that takes between three to five weeks so i can't mm. keep working on that model because we've got to like plan ahead but basically it's like up until probably like up until probably before London, it's I just design when I feel creative or inspired or I'll see something like, I saw an old man once in a petrol station and he looks so cool and it was so different. I was like, he just inspired, inspired me to design today. It's just like random, um, random moments of like, you know, feeling creative or like going on Pinterest and then creating a collection. But then since London, there's been so much business stuff that I've actually had to force myself to take an afternoon off just to design or like no one can bother me for this week because I have to design and I'll turn my phone off and won't answer calls and yeah and it's so interesting the dynamic between 
growth and structure and yeah. so on. Like the sea and the sea and um, air shipping thing is such a big thing yeah. in ecom um, because I mean the cost is so the cost it's huge. is huge. Yeah. The cost difference, right? So, yeah. um, I would imagine that when you go into say like opening a store in London and you're making these massive investments. You know, um, especially because you are, it's not in, it's not in, like when there's a pro, like this is the thing that I've noticed, you know, obviously we launched in Sydney, right, is when, when there's a problem in Melbourne, yeah, it's easy to fix because yeah. we're all here. We're here and you can right? do it 100%. But like in London, if there's a problem, it's, it, it's, you're not there on the ground. So you 100%. can't fix it. There's no, there's no easy solutions. Like if I'll give, give you an example, if it was here in Australia, you, and let's say something happened with an order, you could go to like a. You could somehow figure out a way to fix that, you know, whether if it was stock, whatever it is, you could you could solve that pretty quickly. Yeah. But London would just be a different ball game, and and especially with stores, I'd imagine that that would be another thing. If something goes wrong with a store, you are not there, and the time differences and and so on, it would just be so yeah. difficult. A hundred percent. We're um we're really lucky with our London team. Our leadership team are absolutely incredible. So we have a lot of faith in them, and they're doing an incredible jobs. So that that helps us a lot. Um, but even in saying that, so my biggest passion is like the face of South Street. So even the VM, so it's like the visual merchandising in store. So how we, so launching a collection, I can go to Gold Coast and I can go to the Melbourne store, you know, a drop of a hat and make sure the clothes are presented exactly how I want for a new drop. In London, you can't just drop everything and go mm. over. So it's, I really struggled that part as well. Um, I just kind of want to re like, and, and Tell me if you're okay sharing this, yeah, but yeah. I would love to touch on what kind of investment it was to get to London. Yeah. Like, like how big of an investment was that? With, in terms of, so we're talking about the pop-up, so putting everything together. So the pop-up, the stock, the flights, the store fit out, um, the upfront cost and rent, everything. We're talking like millions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I just, cause I just wanted to reiterate that point. Like, again, coming back to that point of like bigger business doesn't just mean making tons of money. Yeah. Like that's a million more millions of dollars, right? Whatever it is, yeah. it's, it's in the millions of like, you're not seeing any of that. Yeah. Right. So think about how much stock you have to sell. 100%. Right. Yeah. Just to get back to break even. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think like that's a big, you constantly have to make those decisions because you, you know, you're as a business owner, you're constantly in this battle of like, you've got to pull your business to the vision. Yeah. Right. The vision is up here. You've got to put yourself into that future time and in real time have the determination, the discipline the courage to be able to pull yourself to that point. And like, I think that's the biggest challenge. That's yeah. the, those are the moments that challenge you because you can't tell the future. 100%. You don't know if it's going to be successful. So I just wanted to reiterate that point because as I said, like London is, I mean, it's such a, like, congratulations. It's such an Thank awesome you. achievement. Yeah. Right. But people probably only see the glory. Yeah. They only see what's on, you know, the TikTok or the Instagram there's um there's definitely definitely been a lot of sleepless nights. It, I can hand on my heart say it has been the hardest year of South Street. It's the it was even harder than that first year of um, before launching, which is like hard. It was harder than the first year of South Street. Um, I think it's because I went in there 
with so much expectation. You know, I think as soon as you have an expectation, it becomes really hard. But it's it it's worth it. Yeah. So w- when you say hard, can you unpack that? Like, is in like what when you when you say hard what does that feel like to you like what are the emotions that you feel and and what like why do you feel those like and what does that what does that how does that relate into your life right because yes you're a business owner but you're also a mother you're also a partner like what is what when you say hard what does that mean it's a really good question really good question it's it london has completely consumed my life this year my Usually I've had balance. I've had pretty good balance between South Street and being a mum and a partner and, you know, being a homeowner, you know, like um, renovating, yeah, yeah, as we are talking before, renovating your house and landscaping. But since opening London, it has just been so time consuming. You know, as we were saying before, you still have to do your day job and your day job's in Australia. So, you you know, you're working early, early morning until when you get home and you come home, then you're a mum and then London wakes up. And mm-hmm. then so you, it's kind of back to work again. And then you wake up at one o'clock because your toddler wakes up, but then you can't get back to sleep because London's alive and you're getting, you know, texts. And it's so easy to be like, you know, put your phone on airplane mode. But as soon as you're awake, you know, it's your baby. You know, what if they need you? You know, what if there's a problem in store? So you turn your phone on and it's just, it's just, it's so time consuming. It's quite heavy, like quite a heavy feeling. Um, And of course you can't just like drop everything and then walk into the store and be like, making sure the team are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, as I said before, we're really lucky with our London team. They're an incredible team, so that's helped a lot. Um, How do yeah. you manage that? So emotionally, like, is it, it, it? You're right. Like, I think the feeling it sounds really, really heavy. Yeah. Um, especially because you are a mother, you are a partner, and that is such a. You know, if I think about the heaviness that comes with running a business as personally it comes from that in yeah. a sense it's like you there's a lot of sacrifice yeah. personally but yeah. there's also a lot of sacrifice that your loved ones have to make as well yeah you know i think that's yeah. the hard thing about business is every it's not just you sacrificing 100%. it's everybody else around you can you talk to that and especially obviously with the move to london and and kind of what's that you know and, and again the emotions that you feel constantly and and again how do you manage that is it something that is just like, I've just got to get through this? Yeah. Do you do it for your family? Like, is that a big part of it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I do everything for my family, especially my daughter. Um, and I just look like all these hard hard days at work now is so she can have a really bright future. Um, and then in saying that as well, like, I will never put South Street before her. Like, we opened the London store, she's there. You know, I have a meeting, she's there. I think um, we had a... a another meeting with our London team recently and Hunty was there again and the girl said, I don't think I've ever been to a meeting with you without your daughter there. <laughs> and Hunty loves it. You know, she's around all these beautiful people that absolutely love her. You know, her aunties and her family, aunties and uncles. So I think it's just bringing them into the mix. It's never like, so she gets looked after four days a week so I can just focus four days at work. Then I always get to go home to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always, when I do get home, I always try and switch off for a couple of hours and it's like hunty's time or like hunty's family time. time. Yeah. And then like she'll go to bed, um, do like an hour more work and then just switch off the night and then back into it. It's just, it's just about balance. But I think finding that balance sometimes is really hard. What is the biggest challenge for you personally then with this journey, right? So what is the thing that you struggle with the most that, that, that is the burden, right? Like 
obviously it's a constant feeling. Like I know for me, there's there's always one thing. There's a constant thing that I struggle with yeah. on my journey. What's that one thing for you? This is really real right now as we're growing. Um, and we're actually talking about it this morning. For me, so as the business has got bigger, I've realized I can't do everything. And I think as most business owners can relate to, when you own a business, you're a control freak. You want to control everything because it's you want your baby to be perfect. So I think on this, it's... Um, it's empowering people to um, empowering empowering people to contribute or take ownership of certain certain things, and me being control freak and it being my baby, I really really struggle with that. So that's probably why I haven't got someone in a proper marketing person in to help me. Is why probably why I don't have a designer. It's just empowering people to make decisions, um, and I, I really struggle with that. You know, for example, we're looking at at changing um, to a different website, supplier, whatever. And they were having a meeting about it without me. And I walked in, I'm like, I just prickled. I was like, they're having a meeting without me. And it, it's just things like that. And it's it's so silly, but you know, it's, I think a lot of people can relate to it. What do you think, what do you think that is? Like, where do you think that comes from? It's just passion. It's just like, it's your baby, you know, it's, it's, it's my dream, it's my vision. I just want to make sure my vision's being met. So as soon as they're having a meeting, you're like, what are they doing without me? Like it's, you know, it's my baby. Um, but I, I'm, I have a lot of like, um, kind of chats with my dad about, he's really good at sort of that side of things. Yeah. So as soon as I'm prickling, I'll give him a call and he'd be like, you know, X, Y, Z. And we'll have a chat about, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'll work on that. Or yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think I totally understand that. And I think there's it is one of the hardest things to do because it, it's it's eager, right? Yeah. Like it's like yeah. deep down, uh, it comes in. You're like, you know, you want to have your hands on it. Yeah, yeah. But you also know that the, it's actually a good thing for the business. Hundred percent. You know, um, and that's not without mistakes. Mistakes. That's you know, you, and I think that's a big part of the ownership, you know, discussion, right? It's yeah. like um, when mistakes are made, you don't want them to happen again, or you want people to learn from it. But yeah, they also do them. need to happen, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, right? What would what would be your advice to someone in their first year of business? Let's say they're they're about to start an e-commerce business. What would your advice be to them, knowing what you know now? Firstly, like congratulations on getting <laughs> on getting where you are now. Like, congrats to you. It's it's a hard road. Um, I think it would be to listen to advice from people. So to, to you know, listen, take on board advice, but just stay true to your vision. Don't don't skew from your vision. You're gonna have a lot of people throwing stuff at you saying, do this, or what about this way? It's listen to it. But if it doesn't fit your vision, don't do it. If it fits your vision, absolutely you can do it. So yeah, mm. it's just it's listening to people, listening to the advice, but just staying true to yourself and to your vision. Yeah. That's such good advice. And I think that's what you've been able to do really well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um and it almost is the dichotomy of what we we're talking about before, whereas like it's very we just talked about letting people make mistakes and 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 these kind of things and like yeah. you know ownership of roles but i think also staying true to the vision and this is why founder-led businesses you know are the most successful you know and this is science and 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 the statistics say that founder-led businesses are the most successful businesses yeah because a business is really about achieving a vision yeah and having a clear vision and sticking to that is is what you know is just so important yeah and it's very easy to 
to lose track of that. Even um, the amount of messages I get daily from people being like, can you design this in this color or can you design this? It's like, if I wouldn't wear it, I won't make it. It's, you know, it's my vision. And it's just kind of like you have people on the team are like, oh, you know, like 10 customers in the last week have asked for it in this color. And you're like, I kind of see what they mean, but I would just never wear that. So no. And it's, yeah. It, yep, it could probably make a lot of money because that's where the general trend is going. They want to, you know, they want to wear a, a denim mini skirt, but it's not South Street, so we're not going to do it. Yeah. What's next for South Street? What's what's to come that um, you can share with us? Yeah, I love this question because this is so not me. This I've changed. So, <laughs> we actually had a meeting last week in our um, leadership meeting, and they were talking about opening the Sydney store. And for the first time ever, I said no. I said, you know, look how far we've come in four and a half years. We just need to nurture the business at the moment. So after opening London store, I've said to the team, this for the rest of this year, let's just look after what we've got. Let's um, there's a few things we want to do. Like we still haven't done barcoding. So none of our stuff's barcoded. We've just grown that quickly. We just haven't had the chance to even look at it. So just barcoding, we want to get a CRM system to just really look after the business. Um, but then after that, once we we're kind of what do you call it? You know, once you feel like... Um, stability. Yeah, stability. And like I've got that balance back, which I don't have at the moment. We want to open a store in Sydney and then another international store. So we're looking at either Manchester. So we've got a lot of customers in Manchester in the UK or it'd be somewhere like Paris or the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. Paris would be just... Yeah. That's so... I know. Cool. But for right now, I just need to get my balance back. And, yeah. Yeah. Where would you go business. in the US? Probably, I reckon, New York. Yeah, New yeah. York's the one, I reckon. Yeah. It's got that South Street vibe. It does, it. yeah. We've actually been approached by a mall in the US as well. And that was just, sorry, that was actually before the UK. And people were like, maybe do the US, the market's a little bit better there at the moment. You know, UK's a little bit up and down. It's like, nope, UK. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. We're going to dive into Triple H, which is, I guess, giving us a bit of insight into you. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about, uh, tell us a tale of hardship that you've experienced. Um, you know, it can be in business, it can be in life, whatever that is, but a, a tale of hardship that's you think has helped shape you a little bit. I feel bad saying hardship because I genuinely feel so grateful for what I've got, but I'll, I'll keep it related to business. It would probably be this year with opening London. And I, I wouldn't say it's hardship because, again, I'm so grateful, but it is, it is kind of really woken me up to the last sort of like four years before opening London, everything's kind of ran very smoothly. You know, of course it's been hard work, um, but everything's kind of come quite naturally. And it's been the first time that I'm kind of like, holy crap, like this is really, really hard. Um, and I think in that it's, it is making sacrifices. It's kind of, it's just constant work and it's, you know, it's not having that balance. Um, so yeah, it, it would 100% be opening an international store. I love it. And I think, I mean, based on what we've just talked about, I think people can get an insight into that. I mean, it's hard enough running a business, but running a, a business is at you 24-7, yeah. which comes with the, you know, there is challenges that come with the growth, which I think is really great insight. Yeah. Hero. So tell us a, a tale of your hero. You know who I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gaza, this is for you. No, um, my dad, I can honestly like hand on my heart say South Street would not be where it is today without my dad as my business partner. So I started South Street by myself. And as soon as it kind of started taking off, my dad, who was supposed to be retiring, he jumped on board with South Street and he 
he's just been my absolute rock throughout the business. I, I could not manage people like him. I couldn't manage finance like him. So is there a story or a moment that you can kind of think of and share with us that encapsulates that? So maybe it was during those tough times. Maybe it was opening South street, you know, is there a story that you can share with us that truly encapsulates why he's your hero? I wouldn't say specific story, but he treats South Street like it's his own. So he, even to the point where he's left my mum for eight months when she lived in the, um, in North Queensland, he left home and came down to Melbourne to help me with the business. He's, he's just, you know, he's in South Street 24 seven. He's kind of sacrificed his own life. My mum, of course, bless her heart. She was, she was fine by it. She's been a big support as well, but he just, he always puts me in South Street before anything else in his life. And I think another thing on that is when COVID hit, he was actually down in Melbourne and he couldn't get home. So he was stuck from going home for months at a time. So I think, and I think that really, I think he found that really hard as well. You know, he couldn't go see my mum when he was just stuck down here with, with nothing but me in South Street. And what does that mean to you? Oh, he's just incredible. Like he is, yeah, he's incredible. He knows he is. <laughs> yeah. And the last one is highlight. So tell us a story that encapsulates the highlight um, of the journey so far. So um, is there a particular moment that really yeah. stands out to you where you sat there and kind of sat said to yourself, wow, like this, yeah. this is everything. Yeah. So bringing this whole chat together, it was the morning of our London store opening. And I remember a couple of weeks before we'd been in London for, um, I think just over a month before it opened. And I was there with hunting my daughter, my dad, and then my good friend, Amy, who's also my EA. And we were saying like, oh, we've missed the, the, um, the snow. It's already too late for snow. I think it was like February in London. And then that morning, Amy goes, it's snowing. And we opened, Hunty's never seen snow before. Opened the curtains, sure enough, you know, it's snowing in the middle of London. And it was just like, we, you know, went outside, me, Hunty, dad and Ames and walked down the street with the snow. I'm like, we're just about to open our store in London. It's snowing. I'm here with my dad, my daughter. That was just one of the moments I was just like, wow. And then obviously walking to the store, you know, we talk about that balance. I still had my baby girl there. So she was with me the whole journey and she's been with me for like opening Pacific Fair, Chadson and now London. So hundred percent. And it makes it all worth it, yeah, right? So definitely in the moments of hardship yeah. and challenge you think of those moments just and a very special morning and then you get your nice hot coffee and <laughs> <laughs> that's such a london yeah, thing right I know. yeah um awesome now we're going to dive into our quick fire questions yeah so what's one piece of advice for your younger self i love this do you know what i just had a um on the way here i had one of my girls call me and i've given her a project and she called me really upset and she's like i can't do this harley i've just got so much self-doubt righty righty rah and I just said, you are literally my younger self. You're the most beautiful, smart girl. And I've given this job because I believe in you. I said, of course you can do it. And I think it's just, just be confident, just believe in yourself. Um, and it's, I think her problem is she cares too much what other people think. It's, you can't care what people think. Believe in yourself, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Love it. What's the most important trait that a founder must have for success and why? Passion and motivation. You will get, you will not get very far without those two. Yeah. How does that, how has that translated in your journey? Do you think like how to, you know, passion and motivation, how, what can you tell us about your journey that, you know, where those moments have been most important? I think it's, it's every single day I'm working on South street. There's not a day that's gone by that 
I, there's not something I've done towards my business and that is both passion and motivation. It's being motivated to show up even like, you know, you're in your business, you don't have to go to work if you don't want to. You could just, you know, take off on a jet and go live on a private beach for months. And I've, <laughs> I've never done that. You know, I'll take a week off, I'll go to a beach and just know when I know, I know when I need to reset, but I'll still be working, I'll still be doing emails. But a hundred percent. And that passion just comes from pushing through kind of all the bullshit and that, the hard days and you're doing it for a reason, you know. I love that. If you could have one do-over in life, what would it be and why? You know what? You'll probably hate this answer, but I feel like everything that's happened to me in my life has led to where I am now. I think I've learned from experiences and so I wouldn't say I'd do anything again. I think if I could have done this when I was younger, so I could kind of be even even a younger business owner, like imagine if I was 22 now and I had South Street, you know, kind of in my prime, whereas I feel like I'm getting older now. But that, but then I don't think I could have done it being 22, do you know what I mean? I so, feel like 30s to 40s is prime. Yeah. Like I've just turned 30 yeah. and I'm like, I, I don't know, like I feel like the next 10 years are going to be the best 10 years yeah. of my life and maybe it is I'll see my kids grow up. Oh, 100%. I'm yeah. about to enter a really great phase of growth. I feel like I'm mature, but yeah. part of me says that 30s is, I don't know. And, and you know, like, yeah, you can do it when you're younger, but yeah. I, 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 the more, the older I get, the more I, and you know, I'm a true believer that age is no restriction. Yeah. Like my mum is an animal, right? And she's, in, she's like, she's at her peak right now. Yeah. hundred percent at her peak. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I just think that, I'm for me personally, I'm really glad that I to have her because she shows me that peak is when you want it to be. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, she's at the peak of her powers with the work that she does and you know, she's she's, you know, um you know, sixty years old. Right. Bless and so her. yeah. She just got the biggest promotion of her life. Good on her. You know, and and, and um I think age is just a number. It hey? is just a number. Yeah. And I feel like the you know, you can you can wish and like you said you know, regrets are just lessons Yeah, that you can learn from today. And I think yeah. that's one of the key lessons is that no matter where you are, what you've done in the past, you've got today to rectify and learn from 100%. it. And just, I feel like if you make those mistakes and you learn from them, um, you're doing yourself and everyone around you justice, no yeah. matter, no matter what it was. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. Carl's, I want to say a massive thank you. Um, I love following your journey. I just Thank think you. you're amazing. I think to see, I, I'm pretty lucky that I get to interview really amazing people. But one thing I'm, I get really excited about is watching people's journeys um, and seeing where they were and where they are now and unpacking that. And, you know, you've done such a great job and Thank I know you. that you've got so much ahead of you um, just because of the person you are. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and if you guys, South street is the <laughs> coolest brand in the world. Thank you. Um, definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, a massive thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. And guys, this sweater, UK winter coming soon. <laughs> so I know people will be asking. So. We, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Yeah, well,